our early stages, we unfortunately, we pretty much had to rewrite the whole product over and it did slow us down for probably half a year because basically in the beginning, we we're so busy getting the value out to users. We should have focused more on like, yeah, like what is the actual technologies that would scale, right? And things like that. But as I mentioned, we, the first version was in Drupal just because we're like, oh, okay, we can build it right now this week. Let's do it. That was a little um, painful. My name is Katarina Sitnik, a co-founder and CTO at Fract. And now I'm founder and CEO at CTO Doctor, helping women empower build technical products. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead. A team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laphart. And today, how Katarina Sidney created the platform to help you create successful territories and then became the doctor of CTOs. All this and more on Code Story. Katarina Sitnik is originally from Ukraine, but moved to the States 15 years ago after winning the green card lottery. Her background is in applied mathematics, and she grew up surrounded with logical brains. For example, her grandparent was literally a rocket scientist. When she moved to the U.S., she dove right into the world of entrepreneurship. But outside of tech, she travels a lot, being a digital nomad, and likes to salsa dance. She's fascinated with psychology and what drives behavior. For her prior startup, she utilized her background in applied math combined with her co-founder's experience in the space to create a way to optimize territory creation for franchises, sales teams, etc., and predict revenue for said territories. When she moved on from that gig, she started a new thing, one that would enable women founders to build technical solutions. This is the creation story of Fract and CTO Doctor. So the product is based on geospatial AI, and basically it's helping brands figure out where in the physical world is best to target their customer. So it's like this blend of online and offline. So as an example, it would be, for example, what's the best definition of a franchise territory or a marketing territory? Literally, what's a set of zip codes to target? It's a lot of math involved and how I did get started because my background is in applied math and my co-founder spent 20 years in market research and doing all this for real brands. So when we got together, we really thought there was something there to get it to the next level. So that's that's the product is basically predicting the revenue and using a, a whole bunch of AI focused on geospatial. So recently I started CTO Doctor, the mission of which is empower women entrepreneurs build technical products. In that capacity, we build out MVPs and I act as a fractional CTO. So basically think of it as a bridge for super early stage startup, zero to one, probably seed to series A that do not have technical co-founder. So I bridge that gap. And if certain women cannot find technical co-founder, which they should try at least, <laughs> but I still don't want to stop them at that point and provide this gap till they get to a series A where they can get the full internal team and, and go from there. Let's dive into the MVP for Fract. Tell me about 
you know, that MVP, that first product you built, how long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? It was actually pretty <laughs> painful story <laughs> because, I mean, on one side, right, we did what every startup needs to do is that we got something as fast as possible out to, to the customers. You know, maybe that would be one of the illustrations of, of mistakes we also did and things I'm watching out now having all this experience with all the startups I'm working with. Because we originally built it on Drupal, which was not even the best tool for the job. Our team was strong in Drupal based on a few other projects we had before. We got it to a certain point where we realized that it's not the best fit for the job. At some point, we even had to rework the whole system. We eventually got, we're using Node.js and MongoDB, you know, Vue.js and JavaScript on the front end. But yeah, original MVP was basically just to get something out as fast as possible, which we did, and we had real brands using it. So that was success, but it was painful from a technical side because we almost had to start over. Keeping on that MVP for a minute, when you're building the MVP, you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs from in the early days around, you know, it could be feature cut, scope, you know, narrowing. You know, that's kind of what I'm going for or, or technical debt. So tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs that you had to make in more detail and how you coped with them. So for us, it's B2B and it was a lot of companies who would ask different things, right? So it's it's a big challenge to, I guess it's more on the product product side and keeping the whole backlog pretty focused. So it's pretty challenging to identify what features would make sense to build for all those brands that we've been working with that would be the intersection of those needs, right? But yeah, the MVP, the, I guess some of the trade-offs were that we, in the beginning, we manually would even upload some of the files, right? So we were focusing on the end user experience and providing results for people who actually log in and use the product for the ease of that. And some of the trade-offs is that we even had to do some manual work in the beginning because the whole infrastructure for processing all the Excel files, because it's super data heavy, right? Building the import, export, all that automation. So that was some of the trade-offs we had to do and do certain things manually in the beginning. Okay. So from that point then, how did you progress the product and mature it? And to put that in a box, what I'm really looking for is how you built your roadmap and how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build. Some of the things was actually us having a gigantic Excel spreadsheet, which which then after that we put a little bit more in the in the software for managing it. But in the beginning, it was a lot of calls, you know, to be honest, it was just being on the sales calls with customers and figuring out what would make their life easier. And then we would go about, we would rate them, right? So would estimate with the team more kind of in Fibonacci points, similar how do you would run Scrum, would estimate the complexity of the features and also would estimate the value add, right? So that would be more on the customer side would make a list of features and then rate them and then based on that figure out okay here's what we can accomplish in the next few months and then split it in into sprints and go from there but yeah it's definitely definitely a challenge 
it also right like it depends on the on the whole direction of of the product like where you see like okay, we have one big customer that and we can spend a little bit more time uh, focusing on their needs versus having a lot of SMBs with needs that might not repeat so it's kind of pros and cons okay how did you go about building your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you the team is super important i am a big believer in empowering the team to to almost make decisions for the product right so one of the things that i'm looking for in early stage startups is somebody who can take ownership at the end of the day because you know as as we're all busy wearing multiple hats and and you know you, you always need something launched yesterday right the least thing you need is is also have the whole complexity of micromanaging people right plus nobody wants to be micromanaged at the end of the day the biggest thing is taking ownership both in terms of technology and the product so i would be looking for people to take initiative and actually be like hey based on all the features we built here's another thing that the customer might like and what's amazing i'm i'm focusing on this intersection of sure it needs to be very technical savvy person but if they can understand also the the end user problem that's where the magic happens because it doesn't matter how you know technical the founders are or how much you know the product i feel like a lot of times only people who are actually deep into coding and encoding the feature they would know that hey we we'll, we can just spend few extra hours we can turn this feature in a completely different feature we can reuse it right and again right like this is assuming a person obviously is knows everything about technology what they need to know to actually do their job right part of for me is also just no ego involved in terms of the communication a lot of times it's it slows down the process a lot so if you would have somebody who for example you have a pull request right and if a person cannot take a feedback right and take it personally or things like that right like it just slows down the process or wouldn't go out of the way to help another team member so i would say the communication part the team playing and be strategic taking ownership about the product on top of obviously technical skills that's the most important things i'm looking for So, so with Fract, did you build this to scale efficiently from day 1 or were you fighting this as you grew? I wish I can answer that it was perfect from day 1, right? As everybody would like to, but of course not. There are different parts of scaling, right? So, I think certain parts have to be from day 1, separating parts of code in different modules, right? So, that you don't end up with spaghetti code and you can easily replace some parts of code with other parts right or some backend provider with another backend provider right so i feel like that structure we did have from day 1 in terms of scalability of just having a lot of users using it right or a lot of requests going on of course that's more ongoing process and that was ongoing process for us also implementing all the testing and just have a, having a stable product in general 
that took a lot of time to have the whole CI CD set up and all the testing so that it's just one press of a button and things get deployed. So that, that took some time to set up and that definitely wasn't there from day one uh, because we're focusing on getting the value to the customers and getting the features out. I think it's a fine balance in the startup world on how do you make it um, scalable that you can scale the product itself, but at the same time, you don't spend too much time in the beginning on making it perfect and get the value to customers as fast as possible. So as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? And, and I'd be curious, you know, that from a fract standpoint and from a CTO doctor standpoint. I think from Frax specifically standpoint, I was proud of hiding very complex features behind very simple interface, right? So we were trying to get it to a point where it's almost like talking to a human being. It would be an actionable insight provided to, to a person making decisions, but it would be in a very, very simplistic manner saying, for example, like, hey, it seems like if you have, let's say, eyelash extension store, we found that it matters that if you place it in the area where there are high, high sales of bodywork services, for example. So it would read as a sentence, but behind it, it would be all these complicated models of processing tons of data on the regular basis, almost near real time and, and having all these algorithms and, and super amazing complexity, but at the end of the day, it would be simple, right? On CTO Doctor, one of the things that I'm working on right now, and I think I'm, I'm proud of, of the process and what I'm coming up with is kind of building the process, right? Because I think one of the things I see all the time in the early stage startups is everybody just keeps reinventing the wheel in terms of just doing the tech team operation system. So setting that up in the very beginning, right? Uh, from how developers communicate to the process to how do you set up GitHub and how the things flow. So one of the things I am proud of what I'm working right now is kind of uh, setting that up as, as a standalone product, I would even say, right? So that as I implement it with more startups, they don't have to start over and reinvent the wheel and, and repeat the same mistakes I've had over the years. Well, okay, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. And I think specifically with Fract on this one. I can go back to our early stages where, yeah, we unfortunately, we pretty much had to rewrite the whole product over and it did slow us down for probably half a year because, because um, yeah, we basically in the beginning, we we're so busy getting the value out to users. We should have focused more on like, okay, like what is the actual technologies that would scale, right? And things like that. But as I mentioned, we, the first version was in Drupal just because we're like, oh, okay, we can build it right now this week. Let's do it. That was a little um, painful to, to go through. But yeah, I think, I think one of the things I learned in the process is also how to communicate that to the team, because how do you keep the team rewriting things from scratch, more or less? 
but not having anybody discouraged, right? And and having the whole initiative be about, hey, at the end of the day, it's about the company, the product, and about making it better and scale up and all that. But but yeah, it's definitely a communication saying and I'm very big now on making sure that everybody understands that things need to be scalable from day one, not only in in terms of like modules, but also technologies, right? So I know you've moved on from from Fract and and you're focusing on CTO Doctor now. What does the future look like for for what you offer and for how you're going to go about building that business? For CTO Doctor, the vision is is basically empower as many women to build technical products in the early stage as possible. And one of the problems is that women traditionally don't have as much access to just technology scene. They might not have as many connections. So when it comes to finding a technical co-founder, I find that a lot of them struggle. My mission is to make sure that that doesn't stop them from from creating amazing companies, right? So the vision is to to be that bridge from zero to to one where they can get the internal team and basically cover that need if they do not have a technical co-founder to get them from zero to a pretty stable place and scale from there. So let's flip to you, Katerina. So who influences the way that you work? Name a person you look up to or many persons or something that you look up to and why. So few people... I guess if if I had to name few names that influenced me, for example, Jason Fried is one of people that I admire and I, I definitely look up to. One of the latest books, for example, that I'm listening to is um, is written by him and uh, it's called, for example, it doesn't have to be crazy at work, right? So, <laughs> which motto I live by recently. Other people that influence me, for example, is Tim Ferriss, right, with the whole approach of delegation and building systems versus versus just doing work, right? So that definitely changed a lot for me day to day because even in startups or technology world, I, I would rather take time and, and a little bit more time and build a system that scales, uh, whether it's a technology product or actually the whole process of the flow and in general, it's it's a lot of, as I mentioned before, just psychology and neuroscience and working with beliefs versus the actions. I found that it's much more effective. You know, we talked about a mistake earlier, but a little bit different spin. And this could be with Fract or CTO Doctor. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? One of the big things that I wish I could have told myself when I'm looking back is literally to take more breaks. For years, I've been working nonstop, you know, and, and the whole, you know, Silicon Valley vibe of, you know, you go getter and high achiever and all that, right? But I found that ironically, when you actually step back and take a break and do nothing, Seemingly, you do nothing, right? But then when you come back to your project, it's incredible. So if I had to have one thing to advise to anybody else, including myself in the past, it would be, hey, just disconnect, 
take a break, go to nature, and then you see the magic unfold. <laughs> so that probably will be number one. Um, but then building the product is about not putting more work, but building the system around it and just instead of adding things, thinking what things can you remove, right? So the whole like 80, 80-20% rule. Um, so yeah, there would be a few things that I can think of right now. Well, well, last question, Katarina. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? If I were sitting next to the next tech, tech entrepreneur, I think uh, my advice would be to start with why, because it's very easy to jump in and become busy and do stuff and spend years doing it. But I feel like getting very clear on wh what is the why behind what you do, right? And when you start asking why's in actually in a sequence, right? You ask why and then you ask why is that and then you ask why is that. I think the clarity that you get would put you years, years ahead of time, right? Uh, because it translates to okay, why are you picking this customer segment to go after, right? And then when you think about the product backlog, it's like, why are you picking this feature over this feature, right? Why are you hiring this person versus another person? So if the, the whole decision-making uh, process starts with the why, or let's say five of them, that already would, would set you apart from any other competition um, and just make you a happy person in general as well. I think that's fantastic. Well, Katarina, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Fract and of CTO Doctor. Thanks so much, No. Thanks for having me. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.